This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. In this episode, staying in character during combat. In most RPG systems, combat mechanics tend to take us out of character as our attention is drawn toward tactics and away from narrative. How can players and GMs remain more character-focused when the fighting starts? Let's get to it. Hey, thanks for joining us on Up Your RPG. My name's Arthur, and as always, I am joined by Michael and Emily. And this week, we have Scott with us. So we have a full crew of under-the-library folks to talk about staying in character during combat. Michael, do you want to get us started? Yeah, I'm uh, really curious to see people's insights this week because I think this is probably one of the trickier things to do when you're role-playing or if you want to keep role-playing, and that's how to strategize, how to coordinate. And um, I'd like to get some opinions first. I I have a thought that I think that some of this uh, lies, and and I'm not always GM-centric, as y'all know on this, but I I feel like that... Says the the GM. Yeah, um, but I I feel like there's some onus here on the GM to kind of set a stage for combat that's not so strategic from the beginning. Um, And, and, uh, you know, as always, I believe that... uh, wholeheartedly what the players bring to it's important as well but i also think that the gm has an opportunity to show what that looks like early on when people retreat or make gaffes in the middle of a fight or do something that really is in line with the character um but i think that uh and so you know if if y'all could kind of respond to that as you give your own insights i'd be curious but um I think that a lot of this goes into what y'all have talked about in the previous episodes, which is what y'all have put into your character. This is a time for it to come out. It's a stressful situation. And um, I think I'm going to throw this uh, Emily's way because Emily tends to make um, in the last few campaigns, these characters um, who have um, a definite vulnerability um, and um, this real desire though to stay in the character and act from that perspective and so emily um talk about kind of what your methodology is for uh not letting the desire to win the fight overrule what your character would do so i will say that the less rules heavy a game is the easier that decision is so in our game i i don't ever really feel hemmed by by just what would win the fight well for two reasons one we're not gonna win the fight in it's most cases. It's there's Cthulhu. no winning so the game itself it's just kind of baked in that i don't have to worry about putting myself out there and dying because hell i might just die anyway um but also just and there are fewer less combat and fewer rules to the combat. But um, I just really try to do what the character would do. So if what the character would do means putting themselves in harm's way, I'll do that. If it means running and hiding under a bed, I've done that too. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that that's, 
I when I think of this idea, I, I think of most recently when when your character ran and and hid behind the couch in under the mm-hmm. library when that that weird combat took place, yeah. and that that's something that that takes some courage as a player um, to actually play the role and not play the the scenario, the combat scenario. Uh, most gamers are going to want to jump in and say, okay, where can I stand so that I have the, the least likelihood of, of taking damage and you know who has the strongest ability in this situation to do this thing. Uh, but I think what you did in that situation makes for a much better story. And to go back to what Michael said, if the GM has set that expectation and follows through with it by not penalizing a character for staying really true to their to their backstory and to their narrative and to what that character would do, that then you've got a much better story. And I think that in my head, I can see that scenario play out and it makes perfect sense what happened. Yeah, and, and I could imagine though in like a D&D or something that's more rules heavy, if you had a character that went and hid behind the rock, right? And... and they successfully did that then probably as a gm you shouldn't have that rock all of a sudden get pummeled and exploding and um the the situation we're talking about in under the library just to kind of give some highlights those characters that that were attacked those npcs would never have attacked uh no no spoilers here for y'all because you're still in mid game but they would have never attacked y'all had they mm-hmm. not been attacked Right, they had their own mission and their own desires, and they failed, um, which was kind of curious from my perspective. Uh, but uh, Scott and Art, you both have a lot of experience, kind of managing this idea in D and D as well, right? In a more rules-heavy format. And so, how do y'all approach it when there are a lot more squares to count and feet to be aware of, and spells to have prepped, and those kinds of things? It's it's interesting. So Artie and I were talking about this the other day, and I've been sort of thinking about it a bit. And I I think because I don't approach things as much as a gamer, as someone who, you know, I'm here for the story and the collaborative aspects of things. So D&D can be a like, I love D&D. And I think we do a great job as a group. I think one of the struggles is sometimes that combat can become incredibly slow, because all of a sudden, which spell am I going to use? How many feet away? Uh, you know, what, how many key points do I have left? Like these things that the characters would know how to do sort of real time because they're heroes in a story we have to figure out because we're not heroes. We're people trying to play heroes. And so it fundamentally changes the mechanics. And I think it's okay to a point but it becomes a struggle when it takes so long that it breaks the overall flow. Like one of the things I like about Call of Cthulhu is that it's a different kind of story, right? You're not telling a story where there's a bunch of heroes and if they don't make it to the end and get to the resolution, you're not surprised. Like usually we're dying somewhere in the midpoint of the story and we're nowhere near it. It sort of pisses me off a lot of the time, <laughs> but it's just, I get that it's part of the mechanic and part of the fun. D and is a different story. And I'd be honest, like I tend to think of it as a book, right? If I read a book and it ended halfway through with everyone dying, 
and it was like a, a, a heroic adventure, I'd be like, what the hell am I reading? This book sucks, right? Like playing D&D that way would suck. So I expect the characters to make it to the end. I expect the the DM to, yeah, make it challenging and make it interesting and hard. But who the hell wants to read a book where everyone dies all the time and no one ever makes it anywhere? Whereas with Call of Cthulhu, it's just different. Like, I might not read the book of Call of Cthulhu because it's horror and gross and all that kind of stuff. But (laughs) from a playing perspective and a narrative perspective, it can still be really interesting. I think, though, for what it's worth, I find combat in Call of Cthulhu to be maybe a couple degrees less than useless. Like, I think that combat in Call of Cthulhu is just about, you know, getting shot and and having things happen. And you try and stay out of those situations far more than you try and get in them. Like with D&D, you're going for combat. With Call of Cthulhu, you're doing everything possible to stay away because one shot and a person's dead, one stab and they're dead. Like, there's just no mechanic for heroics in, in Call of Cthulhu. So Scott, can I go back to something you said a little earlier about D&D? You mentioned that the speed of the combat is so stretched out, so um, just so long to do anything. And I've always struggled with combat in D&D. I will admit I tend to just find it boring and not be interested in it. Um, but I think the reason most for me is that I have all of that space. It's hard for me to remember that something's happening in six seconds and I just want to talk. And the fact that I'm literally not allowed to talk more than a word or two is just so hard for me to deal with because Mm. that's a lot of where my character comes from. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I don't know what to do. I don't know if there's an answer or a solution for that situation, but that's something that I always struggle with. Yeah, I think that that comes um, back to a, a GM uh, sort of methodology and how a GM approaches both narrative and combat. Um, when I run D&D, I think of combat as part of the narrative. It's not, it's not a separate thing, whereas I think in, in most D&D scenarios, uh, there's role-playing and then there's combat, and I try to put those two things together. Um, I, I try to have them, if if it doesn't build the story, I don't think it makes sense to have it. Um, and I think the other part of that um, for, you know, sort of a, a GM tip is I really don't like to think of myself in an adversarial relationship in combat with the players. Um, I'm always rooting for my players to win. And it, like Scott said, I don't want, the characters to die um, and I don't want it to, to be hugely detrimental to them unless it, it it's a, a narrative piece. Like unless it makes sense for them to be wounded or to be hobbled somehow or to be captured. Um, I want them to, I want this, this thing that happens, these people that they're in contact with, whatever, or conflict with whoever that is to be a part of the story and for them to win and then have that element help them move the story forward. Um, and so, really quickly, I know, Michael, yep. you want to say something just really quickly, but that's why gaming, like for me, gaming with the right people is such an important part of it. Because mm-hmm. if someone showed up and they were just like, like they, they were tra- like, 
you know, I've also got sort of a, a sort of min-max tirade because I think min-maxing is sort of awful unless it truly makes sense. Like just trying to focus on building a maximum damage character or a maximum this. I get that some people do it and that's how they have fun. From my perspective, the character would have to make sense for that. And, and, and the story has to make sense for that. And so gaming with people that have that same mindset is such an important part of it. Michael, you were going to say something. Uh, I I was mainly listening. I might have nodded in there, but I, I, <laughs> you had I some did drool have a coming out of the you. corner of your mouth. Yeah. So I assume <laughs> hey, that meant hey, you were hey, going to hey. talk. <laughs> no, I was. Uh, I, I was thinking back because at one point I remember uh, early, kind of in our our D and D exploits, Scott. Combat was really important for you, right? I remember, like, I still you... think it's fun. Yeah, I do. When it's done right, you manage combat really nicely, and you you would hold people accountable for timing. I actually think I'm going to jump forward to solutions. I think the solution is you set a timer and you have a default action. If someone doesn't do what they're going to do within X amount of time. So you give them 30 seconds. Otherwise it's a melee attack. I don't give a shit who it is. You have 30 seconds or it's a cantrip. You know what I mean? Like, but give them a default action. You have X amount of time to decide if you can't pre-decide before that, that's when it crosses over, Emily, to your point, like where it just gets onerous and you can't talk and you can't like, you know, we've just we've had times that over we've gamed a long time. We've had times where it's been 20 minutes around a combat like that's just too long for around a combat. Yeah. And, and I think that that so we've had that in lower levels. Most recently in the campaign we just finished, it, that was every round of combat. Um, we didn't have a round of combat that didn't take 15 minutes. Um, all of them were in the 20 to 25 minute range. But that's because we were level 18 characters fighting very high level NPCs. And there's a million things that can happen. Uh, you know, when we're fighting 10 NPCs and every one of them has got to have some sort of turn and there's five of us playing just naturally would take that long but Scott to your point I I, I think that the the players have um, responsibility to understand their character and this goes back it's funny hearing this out of my own mouth um, something that Wayne used to say to us a decade ago know your character um, I, I think you've got to know as the player what actions you have whether that be spells melee attacks whatever um, and have those planned ahead of time and I would even say outside of the game table, you should be, you should have looked at your character and understood what are, what are this character's default actions? Uh, in, in Emily's scenario, is this character's first thought to run away? Um, and that should actually be communicated to the party in some cases, especially in a D&D type setting, um, so that the GM can understand that, hey, this character very well may run away, so don't balance this fight for this many characters. Balance the fight for this many minus one, um, because so this one's not going to be there. clarify? Do you mean to express it out of game or in game? Both. I mean both. Um, I, I think that the GM should know in advance that, hey, this, this character is terrifying. Yeah, let's go back to a character of mine. Um, I had one. I don't even remember what campaign it was. It was a D&D character, um, and their name was Sit. And their thing was, and I don't know if any of you guys remember this. Um, I, I know I play with either Scott or Michael, maybe both of you guys. Um, but their thing was when they got terrified, they would just sit down and like, like beetle. What's, was this Orphans? It might have been. It might have been the orphans, orphans campaign. Of Oli, and like, I think it was your campaign. 
Okay. I think it might have been. Uh, but the, you know, that's an important thing for for me to tell the GM that it, this character's name is Sit, and it's Sit for a reason. Um, when combat breaks out, this dude's sitting down and not doing anything. Um, so it, at that point, it's up to the GM to not punish the other players um, by having to fight a monster that's balanced for one extra player. Um, and or and it's, really, yeah, go ahead. Really quickly, Artie, to or have that character like a natural consequence, right? Sure, Sit dies. Sit, sit does a thing that results in death. That's very reasonable. Sure. Right. If we were hiding behind, you know, Emily, we were ju- like we were hiding behind that couch. It would have been totally reasonable if one of those guys had broken out, come in and gunned us down. Right. True. Mm-hmm. That's true. totally like that's a logical consequence that results in game. And it's mm-hmm. that's a reasonable part of the story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. And I think sure, that's but OK. From my perspective. Go ahead, Mike. It's it's not reasonable though if it's not part of their intention, right? Those guys would have never come yes, into the house. That's awesome, right? And and they, you know, I it's it's also my responsibility not to say, oh, those characters are vulnerable. I need to go after them. I need to like teach them, quote unquote, a lesson for hiding during combat or mm-hmm. something like that. No, yep. it was it was incredible, right? Like Joe's screaming. Um, she becomes an obvious target. You're trying to keep her calm. Um, and and these guys, even you know, even if uh, Bello hadn't taken one for the team, uh, they would have fled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> so that's uh, that's weeks ago at this point. <laughs> and, and just to to sort of continue that thought, I, I think from the from the character perspective, the the player perspective, it's important to know what that character would do. Uh, and that comes from the things we've talked about in previous episodes, the backstory and their motivations. Who is this person and how would this person react in a violent situation? Whatever the, the scenario is, whatever the, the role-playing game is that you're playing, um, whether it's 7C and you're on a pirate ship and, and you know, what would that person do when, you know, some Navy vessel, some British Navy vessel comes up on you? Would they run below and hide? Would they dive into the water? Would they, would they fight? Would they go to a cannon? Um, those are the kinds of things that you want to be thinking about before it happens so that you can better stay in that space and not then rely on your character sheet and your numbers to determine how you're going to go forward, but go the other way with it. What would the character do? And then the numbers are just an expression of, of that emotion or, yeah. or that, that action. I, and I Emily, agree oh. oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Well, I, I was just thinking about to a one shot I was playing in where I, I was in Call of Cthulhu. And because um, I, I tend to think that, yeah, like I know in kind of our last storyline, we, we had that horrible night where everybody kind of their dice just blew up on them. Uh, and we did. We, I, but since we're continuing on, I, I kind of feel you there, Scott. But I'm hoping that we get back there and we we tie some of those loose ends. But we'll get there. Uh, but there was there was one shot I was playing in, and I'll never forget. Like the house was filling up with kind of green slime, and everybody was shooting into the slime and dying. And I was like some private eye that was just in this for the cash. And like I realized, kind of at that point at the table, I was like, my my character's out of here. Like, right? He doesn't care about saving anybody's life. He's not a hero. And so I I told the GM, I said, I'm making a break for it. Right? I'm going out the window. And at that moment, like I realized, like this GM's gonna kill me. 
like doesn't matter what my character does. And it really deflated for me because yeah. um, I jumped out the window. I broke my ankle. I got to the car. It was, you know, it, it had a clutch so I couldn't drive away and it ate me. And I was like, if, if I'm thinking about it from story, it's way more horrific if this guy gets away with his broken ankle and lives to like with these nightmares and nobody believes him or the story that takes place. And it, I, I felt the agency kind of taken away from my character, even though I did exactly what he would have. He wouldn't have tried any harder to try and destroy what was oozing up from the floor. Um, and so I, I just think that that's important to recognize as we kind of, I, I think we highlight this kind of every episode, but like if a care, if a player's in character, like how do you honor that? And how do you, how do you reward that instead of penalize it? But Scott, you were going to ask Emily something. Sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, Emily, like, I think, you know, in thinking about combat in the last mini campaign that we did with the fish, I forgot what the hell yeah. it's called. Yeah. Um, you had love. such mm -hmm. yeah you had such a good character who was like not afraid of being heroic in this in, in this environment and i thought she you was naive <laughs> like i thought you and art you guys both played really good characters yeah. and emily i thought you did a really nice job of making her heroic in a way that fit it wasn't like and you you know it it didn't feel like a bullshit thing to me it felt like a real this did she would try her hardest because she wanted to prove something and i thought you did great with it oh thank you yeah that what, is what i was going for yeah and what was that i don't know if you can remember back to this but but you know when you were making that decision uh so you know for the audience uh Emily's character decided to rush in essentially to what we thought was the big bad. So mm -hmm. what were you thinking when you were making that decision? Your partner was down. That was my character. And, you know, you thought this thing was in the basement. You're pretty sure it was in the basement and you ran directly toward danger. So what was the, the sort of character driven decision process like from a tactical standpoint, that's not the thing to do. You're going in solo. No. Well, I'm, and part of it is that I was a rookie and I didn't have the, like the ability to collect my thoughts in that moment and really make the rational tactical decision. I had seen my partner die. I'd probably never seen I'd certainly never had a partner die before. I may not have seen anyone die in violence because I'm pretty new to the job. And I have decided that whatever is around that corner is the cause. It could hurt the town. It could hurt my friends. So I just went in and shot. And Emily, the player, was really sad about the result of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it was just what... I don't remember that character's name anymore. Um, but it was just what she would have done yeah i don't i don't remember her name either and, and tactics I, fell uh behind um mm -hmm. emotion in that moment yeah and i, I think that's that's the perfect way to go um and, and i think that that really is this this episode in a nutshell uh it, it's and I, I go back to this thing that that we used to talk about years ago is what would your character do um and how can you it, how can you think live in that space to make those decisions that's great. And, and I think bringing it over to D&D for a second, in that case, having characters and a sense of who they are and what they would do and knowing your characters well enough 
is going to be a, a it's a big part of really having fun combat because I still love combat. I mean, I make combat heavy characters. I never play a caster or someone who who has to know a lot of stuff because I, Scott, am not nearly smart enough to keep track of all that. I get distracted easily. So I don't want a character that I have to keep track of a million things for. So uh, see, I prefer to play casters because I can be creative about how I do things and sometimes not kill people. Yeah. That's and, and I, I think that's everything. I think that's a great part <laughs> of it is knowing yourself as a player and then using that as a selection tool for your character so that you can then more stay in character in the moment and you're not then getting out of character by trying to juggle too many things that you're just not comfortable with. And on that note, that's going to put a wrap on this week's session of Up Your RPG. Thanks for joining us. You can always join us at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table.